Hallelujah. Blessed be God who reigns forever. Isn't it an awesome thing to be witnesses, living witnesses of the very first Sunday in the year 2019? Let's give the Lord a big hand, a big, big hand. Amen. We are starting a new series just for four Sundays, the, first, the, the four Sundays of this month, themed Accessing Divine Creativity. And to those of you who are joining us on Lightweight Outreach TV or listening to the audio podcasts on iTunes or Buzzsprouts, I want to say thank you. Happy New Year to you as well. And uh, you're very welcome. May God continue to bless you in Jesus' name. Accessing Divine Creativity. And uh, this is the series. And uh, as you can see the banner, you can see the four topics that we'll be looking at over the next four Sundays. The very first Sunday is celebrating the creative God. I took this picture myself somewhere. I wouldn't tell you where because I want to use the picture again and again and in many other places. So I'll leave you guessing. But it was not in this country. But it was one of the pictures, one of the scenes that fascinated me about God's beauty. In my very uh, few years of life so far, I have been privileged to be, uh, to, to be at a few places where the awesomeness of God in the natural beauty and the scenery has been breathtaking, fascinating beating words that are very difficult to describe the majesty of this God. At times you look at rocks like these and you see their carving and the, the shapes and the formation and it blows your mind. And if, if one cannot accept that there must be a God that is bigger, greater, more majestic. Now I'm an engineer and I know that human beings can create stuff. We can create very, very great stuff. And we do to the glory of God. But there are certain things that happen in nature that goes beyond human imagination. Now, geologists and people who study this kind of science will tell us that there is an explanation with uh, all the volcanic actions and sedimentary actions and so many things that they try to describe has happened over the millions of years. Now, that is man's attempt to try to rationalize this great God. Now, I'm not against science. I am for science. But science has only come to try to get our brains, as it were, to comprehend this God. So when we are talking about this creator, this creative God, I want you to see him in a different light. I don't know how you have ever appreciated him or how ever you have ever seen him. But what God wants for you and I this time is to understand him that as the creator who created everything... There is truly never anything that will ever be impossible for him to do. Amen. And so, accessing divine creativity is the theme. And uh, the very first one, the very first topic we have today is celebrating this creative God. If you like, you can say celebrating the creator. Uh, and that is still the same thing. I call him the creative God because not only is he a creator or the creator, but he is also creative. Creativity is progressive. It's about his ability to do things that are most of the time out of the non-existent. He brings into existence the things that are out of the non-existent. And this is amazing. Man can only take of what God has done and produce new things. And so we can, we can take wood 
trees that God has already provided and take them and carve them and make paper and make stuff. Like I said, very fantastic. But God does not need any raw material whatsoever to produce something new. This must settle for you if you want to walk with God effectively in this year of divine creativity. Because our finite minds restrict us from benefiting from this creator of the universe when we restrict him to our realm of creativity, which depends and relies on what we have to produce what we need. Hallelujah. We read the entire, almost the entire chapter of Genesis chapter 1. For those of you listening to, the, uh, uh, to this after now, we read Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 27, and I'll urge that you read it. We're not going to read it again. We read it for emphasis, just to look at this creator God, because he was introduced to us. The very first introduction we got in the Bible, let's go to Genesis chapter 1, please. Verse 1. The very first introduction we got of this God as documented in scripture, in the beginning, don't forget I always explain the beginning there is not the beginning of God, but the beginning of time. In the beginning of time, if I can paraphrase that verse, God, I continue to paraphrase, Elohim, the supreme God, the God of all gods, created the heavens and the earth. So in the beginning of time, God created the heavens and the earth. God was before that beginning. He is, as we live in that process of the beginning and the time that we have thereafter. And he will continue to be in the life hereafter. Hallelujah. In the beginning, let's read it together now. God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, the uh, theologians rather tell us that the, the verse between, the, the, between verse 1 and verse 2 is where we read the story of the fall of Satan, which was documented very well in Isaiah chapter 14 and uh, Ezekiel chapter 28, which talks about Lucifer, the fallen angel. That in the heavens and the earth that were created in verse 1, there was a perfect being called Lucifer. He was next to God. He was the archangel who was, that time man was not yet created, but angels had been created. And everybody that was, every angel was subject to Lucifer and he was leading them in worship to God. Until he fell, as we know, out of pride, wanting to be like God and God cast him out. And this is where the earth took its formlessness and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep where he was cast to. And then the Spirit of God was hovering because that was not going to be the end of God's intention for creating the heavens and the earth. And so the Bible says in verse 3, when God decided in time that it was appropriate for him to continue the work of creation, now that Lucifer had been dealt with, let's read what God did in verse 3. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And if you read from verse 4 right through to verse 25, he began to talk about how God created day, because the Bible talks about the first day, and then he talks about how God created 
all the things that came in the day. He separated land from the seas and then he began to put things in the seas. He began to put things on land, starting with vegetation and then going, putting the seed in it and then start going on to produce the creeping animals that would feed on the vegetation and on the land and then the birds of the air and so on and so forth. And everything was perfect in God's order and in God's divine way of doing things until man was created in verse 26. Let's read that together. Genesis 1 verse 26. Everybody want to go. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 26 says, and God said, let us. Talking about the triune nature of God. The triune nature of God is a creative nature. Everything about God, the Godhead, when we say God, Elohim, in that verse and in those verses of scripture, we're talking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit at the same time. And the Bible makes us to understand that they said, go back to verse 26, it said, and God said, let us, let us, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, make man in our image. And of course, verse 27 says, so he did so. He created man. So God decided and God implemented. But I want us to understand that knowing God as the creator and as the creative God is very fundamental to our existence and to our faith. Our faith can never be as solid, can never be as productive, can never be as unshakable, can never be as robust, can never be as productive in terms of results without a deep understanding of the creative nature of God. Now, the triune nature of God is what man will continue to try to understand till Jesus comes. There are many men who deny it, many men and women, many people on the face of the earth today who deny the triune nature of God. They believe that God is only God in their own way, who we will refer to as God the Father, and that he couldn't have a son, and there is nothing like the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a belief in one of the religions, and so many other religions have different things. But we follow the word of God, and we understand from 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, that the Bible says, from the word, let's read that together. Mark this in your Bible. If you've never known this scripture, you must know it as a child of God. It is the basis. This revelation is the basis of what we believe as Christians in the triune nature of God. Let's read it together. For there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Somebody say these three are one. Now, for emphasis, it makes us understand that they are three. So, they are not three gods. It's one God expressed in three persons. This is why we call him the Godhead. One God expressed in three persons. And it is very important for us. If you want to remember every time, always remember that their roles is what separates them. 
The Father is always commanding. Somebody say, He's always commanding. Say, The Son is always doing. And the Holy Spirit is always the power. Because we read it. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. He said, And God, the Father, the commander, the one who is sovereign, the one who has all power, all authority, said, spoke the word, the word. The Bible says the Father, the word, and the Holy Spirit. So in Genesis 1, 3, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, the Bible says, And the Spirit was hovering upon the face of the deep. And then, verse 3, God the Father spoke the word. We don't have enough time to go into this because it's not my main emphasis, but we must understand it. If we read it in Hebrews chapter 1, the Bible now makes us to understand that the spoken word is what created everything. And God said, let there be light. And after every verse there, we keep hearing, and God said, God the, God the Father, the commander, spoke the word. Jesus goes into action. The Holy Spirit, the power that makes available. That is why when Jesus was leaving, he said, I am going to prepare a place for you, but I will speak to my father, and you go and tarry in a place called Jerusalem. He said, and when you tarry there, my father will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, and then you shall receive what? Power. So the image of God and the likeness of God that was ordained from the foundation of the earth became fully manifest in Acts chapter 2 from verse 1. The Bible says, And on the day of Pentecost, as they were together in one accord, the Spirit of God came upon them and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And from that point, man continued the full effect of being in the image of God and being in his likeness by manifesting as God had intended. This is very important for us as Christians. And I would just like to quickly tell us three things that would help our faith this year in terms of celebrating this creative God. They are the attributes of his creativity that we must never forget. The first thing is that the creative God is the author of faith. The creative God is the author of faith. We all know that the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. And we must never deny the fact that God is the author of faith. When we understand this, we will find that anytime our faith is waning... Truly, as the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, we will always find ourselves needing to revert to God and to his word so that we can grow our faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3. The creative God is the author of faith. Let's read Hebrews eleven three together. It said, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. You can see that in the entire book we read in Genesis chapter 1, particularly verse 3. The earth was without form and void, and everywhere was darkness. Light was not existing. And God said, by faith, let there be light. And there was light. There was a manifestation of what God said. Why is this so important? We must understand that God is still doing the same thing today in our various lives. Every prophetic word you hear, 
does not need any raw material, does not need any physical thing for it to come to pass. Hallelujah. The problem we have as humans, as I said earlier on, is that we are limited in our thinking. So we're always thinking like Mary. How can this be? Physically speaking, I do not know a man. How will I have a child? And we know that this is what has always held us back. So this morning, I am pleading with you, brethren, connect yourself to the creative nature as the, of God, as the author of our faith, so that you can continue to enjoy the power of the declared prophecies. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. Verse 2a, he said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus. We know Jesus is the word of God. So every time we're having a diminished faith, every time we're having a shaken faith, let us remember that it costs God nothing to make something. Tell your neighbor for me, it costs God nothing to make something say in fact it costs god nothing to make anything you see you and i must let that settle for us because when the word of god comes your way many times which will has come and will continue to come you must not let your limited mindset your understanding of nature your understanding of logic ever restrict you from benefiting from this god we don't have to turn to it, but take time, write it down. Second Peter chapter 1 from verse 19 to 21. The Bible says, For we have a more sure word of prophecy, that we do well to take heed. The prophetic word is a more sure word. What does that mean? If a doctor's report says something physical, and a prophetic word that has already been given to us in the Bible in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6 says, By his stripes we are healed. The Bible says it is a more sure word. It is a more established word. He said we do well to take heed. We do well to take heed until the day dawns. Which means until you see it happen, you take heed. You believe in it. Because the creative God who spoke it is the author of faith. He walks by faith. By faith, he formed the worlds. By faith, he is perfecting everything that concerns you. Amen. Amen. He said, we do well to take heed until the day dawn and the day star arises in our heart. And verse 20 says, for no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. But holy men of God spoke, verse 21, holy men of God spoke as the Spirit of God granted them utterance. So every prophetic word you see in the Bible was not put there because Moses just did not have anything to do. And he just wrote those five books or just wanted to write history. Or that David just wrote those Psalms because he had nothing to do. He was inspired he was inspired to say, he that dwells in the secret place of the most high God shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. And then he said of himself, I will say, and he wants you to say of yourself, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God. In him I will trust. The Bible says he said he will give his angels charge over me. That is the prophetic word. So you and I must believe, even in the valley of the shadow of death, 
you must lay hold of the prophetic word because it is a more sure word. Hallelujah. I want you to go through this year with a radical mindset of God. I want you to debunk everything you've ever known and lay hold of the power that is in the truth that God has given to us. Because what we need is to be able to enjoy this creative God. Without faith, we cannot please God. But God is the one who caused those things that be not as though they were. I've told you many times that my unpreached message titled What Abraham Knew. Amen. Maybe it returned to a book someday because I've been documenting so many things I found that Abraham knew that we all should know. The Bible says in Romans chapter 4 verse 17, this man was not, even though he was weak in the body, he was strong in faith. What a character. The Bible says he was giving glory to God, even though he was waiting for 25 years for the child of promise. What a human being. How many of us would have given up after year five and said, God, I believe in you, but it must be, you must have got the wrong person. Because I waited five years, this has not come to pass. The Bible says he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Because he knew he had a God that quickens the dead and calls those things that be not as though they were. Everything God was calling into place in Genesis chapter 1, if you have time to go back and read it again, was he was calling them as they were, even though they did not exist when he was speaking them. Amen. So you and I must settle to understand this God and whatever he says concerning us is good enough. Whenever he says to you, whatever he says to you to do, just do it. Just do it. Mary said this to the people in Cana in Galilee, remember. And so let us understand him as the author of our faith. The second thing is let us understand this creative God as the author of order. 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 Mike Murdoch said something about order which I like. He said it is the accurate arrangement of things. God is a God of order. When you settle in understanding about God being a God of order, you will never make haste with God. You will never rush ahead of God. He said, I lay in Zion a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone. He said it is a sure foundation. He said, he that believes it shall not make haste. He that believes it shall not make haste. This is very, very important for our believer generation that is a microwave generation, as I always say. We like things now and fast and quick. We want things to be so rapid. And that is how busy we have become. And things are quick and fast and sharp. But we must understand that with God, he doesn't have to walk that way. Now God can do anything, anytime. We know he's an instant God. The Bible says, and immediately, and immediately. Many times we have seen it in scripture. God can do things spontaneously, rapidly, anytime. But in many cases, God always orders things. He takes time. It did not cost him anything to just say, let the earth be everything I need in one day. Be there. It cost him nothing. And everything will be there. And then day two, he will put man there. But because he is a God of order, he demonstrated to us on a day-to-day basis, from day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, that there are certain things that need to be in place because ultimately I want to put on this planet, this planet called earth, I want to put the people who will represent me, who will have my image and who will have my likeness, and I want them to have dominion over these things I am meticulously putting in place for them to come and enjoy. And when we understand this God as a creative God who is the author of order, 
it settles us very well. When we receive a prophecy about what he wants to do, we walk with him patiently. When we receive a prophecy about our lives, we are able to depend on him that is ordering our steps in such a way that we will not fall when we get to the eternal promise. Psalms, 105, Psalms 104 verse 10 is a very good psalm that helps us to see this. Let's read it together from verse 10 to verse 14. He sends the springs into the valleys. They flow among the hills. The springs are fresh waters. And verse 11, they do what? Give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. Now, he put the beasts there. He put the wild donkeys there. But he does something that helps them. Look at how he does it in verse 12. The Bible says, by them, the birds of the heavens have their home. This is about the trees that he plants there. They sing among the branches. Now, verse 13. Let's read verse 13 together. He waters the hills from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your works. From the upper chambers, from the heavens, he sends down rain. And the hills receive the rain. And they flow down the hills. And then the animals live in the valleys. And as they flow down, the waters come as spring for them to be able to use. This is a creative God who puts everything by order. Hallelujah. This is so important for us as believers to understand that every stage of our lives, God is orchestrating things. Again, from my little knowledge of engineering, I understand that many times when we want to harness water, especially in areas where it is very difficult to get water, we try to build dams. We try to build dams. So we look for what is called a catchment. We look for where there can be a good natural collection of rain. And then we create a kind of a bowl called a reservoir in that area and put a dam across it so that it can hold up some water for some time. And that water is stored behind that structure. And then we release it downstream and use it as we want for, for, for people to drink and for irrigation and all those things. Now that is in our understanding of how God allows water to flow down from the hills. How God, who is wise, who is all-knowing, the Bible says he is the only wise God. When he releases water, he does it in such a way that it gets to the cattle who need to drink them. It gets to the trees that the birds will need to perch on. Hallelujah. In my years... Of life so far, I have tried to understand some of the basic things that works in developing countries and developed countries. What we call first and third world, as it were. I understand some countries have promoted themselves to the second world now. God help them all. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, whether it's first world, second world, or third world, whatever we want to call it, there is one earth God created. But it is man's choice to live in first or third world. It's man's choice. It's man's choice to create a third world for himself. What has the first so-called first world or the developed countries created for themselves mostly? It is called order. Somebody say order. Rule of law. Where it, things work because there is order. Where you cannot just take your car and drive on the wrong side of the road with impunity. You know what I'm talking about? That is disorder. That is chaos. When people live like that, they limit their potential for growth. God is a God of order. 
And we must understand until there is no magic to it. Go to every country that is called a developed country, developing country today and where poverty is rife. Go and see the resources God has put there. In many cases, there are resources that can feed the world. There are countries today where, where, where a loaf of bread is sold for millions of, of that currency. And that same country has enough resources to feed the entire continent on which they sit. Because of disorder, disorder of governance, disorder of, of lifestyle, disorder, poor management of time, careless management of resources, buying things that are unimportant, taking loans to do things that are frivolous and useless. And then we expect that is the fault of God. It's no fault of God. And as believers, we must not live like that. We must be people who intentionally engage with the creative nature in order. He has given us the examples. He accurately formed the world and made sure that by the time we are coming in day six, we have been prepared for so that man did not just find himself on an empty planet. And this is how we must live life. If we want to see God, the God of creativity, work in our lives, we must order our steps. We must order our steps with him. We must allow God to teach us the place of spirituality, the place of manifesting his will and purpose for our lives. We must not be lazy people. We must be hardworking, but working with the wisdom of God so that things can be accurately uh, ordered in our lives. He orders creation. He orders our steps if we allow him. He orders marriages. He said, for this purpose, Genesis 2.24, shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two of them shall become one flesh. Somebody say order. It is disorder when a man refuses to leave his mother and father and is trying to cleave to another woman. He brings disorder. Amen. <laughs> it's true. He brings disorder. Because he will be living in that place with a wife and two other people that shouldn't be there. So today he's talking to the wife, the mother is talking to him, the father, and I'm not saying go and cut off your parents, but the Bible says you must leave, man, man. You know why he did not talk about the woman? Because the woman has already left. The day a woman is born, she's already freely available. Now I'm saying that in context. Praise the Lord. <laughs> she's already freely, and I know many of us men here and, and, and parents here would not like to hear that, but the truth is your daughter is already, that's why the Bible says he that finds a wife finds a good thing. Do you find something that is not lost, that is not available? Uh-huh. You find something that is open, that is there for everybody. So every man's responsibility is to leave home and look for those available people. And anyone that God says that is your spouse, you leave your father and mother as part of the order of God to go and cleave and then you take responsibility for that woman from that point. Amen. The role of parents is to nurture children and guide them. But we bring disorder when we refuse to follow the logic of marriage. And may God continue to help us to follow it as God intends in Jesus' name. So we must keep trusting him. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 is one of my good scriptures, on favorite scriptures on, on trust. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Somebody say, all your heart. Tell your neighbor for me, with all your heart. Say, I mean all your heart. Tell your neighbor for me, lean not on your own understanding. Now, let's read verse 6 together and talk to your neighbor about it. Say, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. 
in all your ways. Now, some ways we have left to ourselves. Some ways we still call on God. There are many things that we do now out of default. We just move. We just do them because they have become routine. But the Bible says, in all your ways. Peter Daniels used to say something. Every time, if you can recognize that in the beginning, God, in the beginning, God, you can save yourself a lot of trouble. If you put God in the beginning of anything, in the beginning of a new year, the beginning of a new business, the beginning of a new relationship, the beginning of a marriage, the beginning of a new child coming, any beginning, put God. In the beginning, God, it sorts out, sorts a lot of problems out. And we must learn to live this way. So what's the first thing that we want to realize about this creative God? He is the God who is the creative God who is the author of our faith. And then secondly, he is the creative God who is the author of order. Order. Finally, or thirdly, he is the creative God who is the author of divine supplies. Somebody say divine supplies. This is another thing that if we understand about God will help us to live in rest and in peace through this year. This creative God, who is the author of divine supplies, gave us many examples for us to put ourselves in his hands. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. I want to read a few verses there, so we'll read quickly because of our time. It said, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Tell your neighbor for me, do not worry. worry. Say, Jesus says, do not worry. He said, do not worry about your life for what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds, verse 26. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they... Every time you see a bird and you see the pattern on it and you say, this is a beautiful bird that should settle your heart in regards to what you wear. He said, if God can make that bird that doesn't know how to spin a yarn of anything so beautiful, how much more you that he has given life and he has called in his own image. This is why we must not let things, material things ever be a concern to us. Enjoy what you have per time. You see, we're always looking for the next thing. Human being is such a very insatiable animal. We're always looking for the next thing. The next thing and the next thing, the next thing. The next thing, the next thing, the next thing. The next car, the next house, the next this, the next that. This morning as I was taking my shower, he said, every time you keep your mind on the next thing, you rob yourself the joy of the moment. There is joy in every moment. Every moment. Every moment. But this mind is always thinking, next thing, next thing. As you are sat down here now, many minds have wandered off into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Some people into March, April, June. (laughs) Sit here. (laughs) Sit here. Sit here. This is January 6th, 2019. Enjoy the day. (laughs) Enjoy the day. (laughs) What do you want to do about April 20? What do you want to do about you are still in January and you are already thinking ah, that wedding? How am I going to pay this? <laughs> no, no, no. Settle down, enjoy today. Hallelujah. Amen. 
every day. The psalmist says, this is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. In it. Right in it. He didn't say, this is the days that the Lord has made. He didn't say, this is the weeks that the Lord has made. He said, this is the years. Just enjoy the day. When you get to tomorrow, you enjoy the day again. Hallelujah. You have a God of divine supplies that when you rest in him, those things that you are worrying about concerning tomorrow, concerning next week, he knows that you need them. Read on, verse 28. He said, verse 28, verse 28, skip to verse 28. He said, therefore I say to you, do not worry, second time. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? <laughs> Hallelujah. He said, don't worry. Don't worry about clothing. Don't worry about this thing. He said, as beautiful as Solomon was, he said in all his glory, he was not even arrayed as one of the lilies of the field. Verse 30, let's read that together. He said, now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Again, verse 31. Let's read those words again. Therefore, do not worry. Third time. Therefore, do not worry. Let's go on. Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Tell your neighbor for me. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Now listen to me. I'm a biological father by the special grace of God. I look at my children every day. They're growing like every child is growing. I look at them and look at their needs. As much as God exposes to me. Many times I know they need before they even come to ask me. Many times. Now I'm limited. Very, very limited. Very, very highly limited. But we have a heavenly father who has all our names inscribed on the palm of his hands. And if your name is on his palm, he knows what you need. He knows what you need. Settle yourself with him this year. Because he knows what you need. It is the Gentiles that go and seek after these things and kill themselves over these things and make it look like this is the end of the world for them. For us who have a hope, our Heavenly Father knows that we need this thing. What does He require us to do? You know Matthew 6.33 very well. Let's read together. He says, But you do what? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So we must therefore demonstrate our trust in Him by obedience. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7. If we go on in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7, the Bible says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Verse 8 says it will be what? Health to your flesh and strength to your bones. When you fear God and you depart from evil, you allow divine health to work in your life. You need divine health to be able to do what God has called you to do. We don't just say you shall not die, you shall not die. The psalmist says you shall not die but live to declare the works of God. If you are saying you shall not die, you shall not die, everybody will die one day. But we are living, <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> but we are living because God in his infinite mercies is keeping us, is helping us to see how 
we can continue to live so that we can declare his word. Verse 9 says, honor the Lord with your possessions. Let's read it. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. And verse 10 says what? So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Every proverb has two parts. One is instructional and the other one is descriptive of the reward. <laughs> descriptive of the reward. Amen. Amen. It is very important for us to understand this. That this is what he wants. He said we should honor. Go back to verse 9, sir. Honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruits of all your increase. The word first fruits has caused a lot of chaos in the body of Christ. Many people manipulating it to mean different things, to mean things that God never intended. First fruits does not mean you carry your salary and you give to any church or to any pastor. Nothing like that. Of course, if God leads you at any time to do any kind of sacrifice, that's a personal conviction, do that. The first fruits of all your increase is talking about you recognizing every stage of progress of your life and saying, Lord, I thank you for this new realm of promotion. I thank you for this new realm of addition. And you identify with him by giving something, personal conviction. Nobody asked Hannah to give uh, Samuel to the Lord. Nobody. Personally, she was convinced. And no, not every mother in the scripture did that. So if you are convinced that God is laying on your heart to do something, to just appreciate God and say, Lord, I thank you for this new job. I thank you for this new promotion. I thank you for this new business opportunity. I thank you for this new whatever it is. And then you bring something to God and say, Lord, this is in honor of what you have done in increasing me. The Bible says, let the earth, let the people praise you, O God. Let the people praise you. And the earth shall yield forth and increase. When we praise God and serve God, increases come our way. And so this is what first fruit is all about. Verse 10 now again. It says, so your bands will always be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I just want to conclude this this morning by saying that whilst we must never worship nature or any other god, nature is spread all around us. Like I showed you the picture of those mountains. So that we can be reminded of God's creative power always. Every time you see something natural that speaks of God's beauty, be reminded of God's creative power. Job spoke to his friends in Job chapter 12 verse 7. He said, but now ask the beasts and they will teach you. And the birds of the air and they will tell you. This is Job speaking to his friends. Or speak to the earth. And it will teach you. And the fish of the sea. And they will explain to you. What will they explain? Verse 9. He said, who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? That even animals, they know. That's why Jesus said that, look, if you stop praising me, he said, I'm assuring you that even the stones will cry out. Didn't you hear that it was a donkey that spoke to Balaam? Didn't you hear that? A prophet? was trying to do the wrong thing, and then a donkey opened his mouth and said, you can't do that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Even the animals know God. The Bible says in, they, they will tell you that the Lord has done this. In whose hands is the life of what? Every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Your breath and my breath is in his hand. He said the living, the living alone shall praise him. The Bible says, let every, Psalm 150 verse 6, it says, let everything that has breath do what? Praise the Lord. You and I must keep praising this God. 
I want you to be looking around. Please, I'm saying this very cautiously. Nature is never to be worshipped. There are people who go about today worshipping trees. I saw some people on a clip yesterday that they sat down in a place and they were crying that people are cutting trees and they say, oh, this tree is being cut. The life has been cut. I'm telling you, human beings are something else. We must never worship the created, but we must worship the creator. Every time we look around us and we see the created and what he has done, it must remind us of the creator. Again, when I was a little boy, we had a dog called Happy. Happy was a very happy dog. She was always bringing forth children. Six at a time, nine at a time, five at a time, and we used to give out her pups quite a lot. And she lived for many years with us. She lived with us for about 14 years or so. Very, very faithful dog before she, of course, passed on. But the truth of the matter is that I learned from happy, from a childhood age, that fruitfulness and productivity is nothing to God. And so if anyone here is looking for the fruit of the womb or you know somebody who is looking for the fruit of the womb, just tell them. Keep looking around you as many times as you can see animals reproducing freely without anything, without IVF, without any complication whatsoever. That means it will cost God nothing to do your case. Hallelujah. Anytime you see that, it should encourage you. When I look at places, very breathtaking places like the Rocky Mountains, of the United States, very breathtaking high altitudes that God's hands carved and created. It assures me that there is nothing impossible with this God. When I look at tall trees, there is a tall tree in, in, in Africa, in tropical countries, but I saw it in southern Nigeria mostly, called the Iroko tree. This tree can grow 30 meters, 50 meters, no branches, and it just grows with a long stem and it suddenly opens up in the air. And forms a very wide nest in the heavens. Beauty to behold. When I see the cactus. When I see the, the palm tree. That survives in the desert. Where there is hardly any rain. And it remains evergreen. I am reminded of God's goodness. Every time I look around me. And I see God bringing out waters. Look at some of the waterfalls that we have. Like Niagara Falls. And you can see the beauty of God in water 24-7. Always gushing down and gushing down in volumes upon volumes. Where it is coming from, where it is going, only God knows. I see the beauty of his majesty. I want you to celebrate this God. Throughout this week, we're just going to be celebrating him as to who he is and what he has done. And I want to challenge you today that if there is anything that you are trusting him to do in your life, as you focus on what he has already done and he has shown us, the Lord will be perfecting all that concerns you in Jesus' name. I want you to rise to your feet.